Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. I'm Emma. And we've both been trying for a baby for a lot of time. A lot. And <laughs> and neither of us is currently pregnant. Welcome to episode seven. Seven. Now we are seven. We're seven. This is great. This yeah. Is so exciting. Yeah. We've done good. We've done good, yeah. kid. And uh, we're recording this a little bit last minute because uh, I've I've been on holiday, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, you Sorry, mate. bastard. I know. You guys are going to hear about that next week. Yeah, yeah. Suffice I'll it to say. Reveal all later. She's so tan. Oh, thanks, man. She's she's highlighting it with a, a, like a nice kind of um, salmon pink jumper that really brings out the colour. <laughs> trying to match, so, trying to colour match my tan. I'm here in like wearing black because that's how I feel right now because it's just dark oh I'm sorry buddy it'll only take me a few days to get back to that don't worry (laughs) so we'll be quick today uh Gabby you've been speaking to a couple of people I have I interviewed the wonderful Gordon Mullins who is the founder of the mindful IVF app which some of you might be aware of I'm aware of because I use it it's brilliant. I found it one day and I looked into it and I was like, where did this come from? It's such a good idea. Mm-hmm. And um, so it turns out he's from Cork. He works in a place called AccuLife, which is a kind of a natural fertility clinic. He's an acupuncturist by trade. Cool. And so we had a chat all about the kind of the crossover between mindfulness and acupuncture and fertility. And he's a really, really lovely guy. And it was a great chat. So we'll be having that in a moment. Awesome. And I also spoke to Professor Tim Child, as usual, medical director at Oxford Fertility, and we spoke about when to test once you've had an embryo transfer. Ooh. Mm, Interesting. Um, And I, a couple of weeks ago, went to the launch of Fertility Network's Scream for IVF campaign. Um, Really cool experience, actually. If you guys get a chance to be in a room full of people who are all going through the same thing, just do it because it just felt so normal Mm. it just felt really cool like everybody was just like so where are you in your cycle or what are you up to at the moment and somebody was like I've just got to go and inject myself in the ass (laughs) (laughs) and we were like yeah yeah cool yeah sweet man yeah yeah Yeah, I couldn't go because I was having a bit of a work meltdown because it was like pre-holiday yeah which I was really gutted about but 
obviously it would have been funner if you were there mm. but it was quite fun um so in the intervening period they have racked up tens of thousands of signatures on their petition to get a debate in parliament to get three fully funded cycles of IVF for everyone amazing um so I spoke to Anya Sizer who you've previously heard from on this podcast about how the campaign was going great brilliant here she is so you guys have done the hashtag scream for IVF campaign or just scream for IVF campaign um can you just tell us a little bit about what that is? So um, it came from a previous campaign that we did last year, which was the right to try. And the, the right to try um, was a concept that one day a year we'd really, really push the fact that there is unfair provision of IVF for people across the UK. So there's these huge regional variations um, and uh, it's often called a postcode lottery. So we created the Right to Try, which was a day where we uh, got people tweeting and talking about it, and we did a big campaign. And then we were very lucky, and um, Saatchi Wellness contacted us. Um, I'd been in touch with them for the last few years, and um, they basically said they'd love to do some free work for us and support us in making the best campaign that we could out of the Right to Try. Aww. Uh, which was incredible. And so we spent a year thinking through, coming up with ideas, getting everything in place until we could launch last week um, Screen for IVF, um, which calling for full implementation of the NICE guidelines across the UK. So that's what it is. Okay, and the NICE guidelines are three fully funded rounds? Absolutely. Three full cycles. That's any fresh, any frozen cycles. Mm-hmm. Um uh, for each couple that is eligible. And that's been um, the gold standard with NICE. Um, so it's the one that they feel is going to be the most um, uh, economically sound and the most um, medically sound in terms of outcome. Three um, full cycles is the one that's most likely to achieve a pregnancy for a couple. And so w- how is the campaign going, first of all? Really well, really well. We're so proud of of the look and the feel of it and the drive behind it. We had a great launch evening uh, where you were at. We did. And we were so, so pleased to have you there. And um, it was really good. And then it's just taken off. So we're less than a week in and Mm -hmm. we are at 62,000 signatures. Wow. Um, And how many do you need? A hundred thousand, um, ideally we need, um, but okay. we've got till sort of November to get that. Um, be nice to have it a bit before then, but we've yeah. got a good amount of time now to get the last remaining thirty-eight thousand. Um, so we're, we're just going to keep pushing, and once you hit a hundred thousand, um, it is almost certain that you'll be able to have a full debate in Parliament. So that's the idea. We want to call for a full parliamentary debate to say why on earth is there this regional variation on what is a medical issue. Of course. Okay, and so um, people have got until November then to get involved, and how can they do that? Please get involved. Please, um, you can put your own scream up, so you can take a picture or selfie of you doing a scream, mm-hmm. and then go and sign the petition. You can get a group screaming, um, a team scream, you can retweet every single day, tell everyone you ever meet um, to go and find the petition. 
Um, just get involved however you can, but we really need to push, push, push for the signatures. And okay. then the second way is to come along to the rally, which is next month on the 10th of October, um, okay. 5 till 7 o'clock at Richmond Terrace outside Parliament. And we will be playing all the screens. Um, so we're going to go for the world's longest IVF screen. And <laughs> we will be um, making as loud a noise as we can and yelling at Parliament to make the change. So those are the two ways. Please get retweeting and uh, signing the petition and then come to the rally. Fabulous. Okay, well, thank you so much, Anya. Um, And I'm sure that everybody who listens will get well involved. Brilliant. I really would love that. This is everyone's campaign. It's not just ours. So here's hoping for change. So guys, get involved if you can. It's really easy to find. Just go on Fertility Network's website. I think it's screenforivf.org is the best place to go to get involved. Sign the petition, post your screaming selfie. Have you done yours, Gabs? You I have. Of course I have. Um, and yeah, and then also while you're at it and you're on the internet, you should follow us on Instagram. Yes, at Big Fat Negative. And Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. And... Uh, email us at bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on Facebook Big Fat Negative yes mate you did it oh wow gosh that was like a test yeah Um, and other than that guys enjoy the show bye bye Um, <laughs> oh god, I feel guilty. Well, I mean, it hasn't been that good. God, good. Don't, don't get me wrong. Can <laughs> um, <laughs> you know why? Bloody fell for it again, Emma. Oh god, I know. I um, I thought I was pregnant again. I'm so mate. Oh, the rats. <laughs> what do we call it? The zone of the hope zone. The hopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got well entrenched in that. Oh, um, and yeah, there was a day last week where I thought that I had a metallic taste in my mouth. Thought I felt a bit sick. I was like, oh yeah, we're in, we're in, we're off. And um, I probably just hadn't brushed my teeth properly that morning. Oh. And um, yeah, it's it's a real slippery slope when you let yourself go because yeah, it is. oh, you start googling. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just look up some baby carriers. I'm sure I would get some stylish ones. I wonder how much they are. And then... Moki. Oh, yeah, oh, good. Yeah. Don't tell me things yeah. like that. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're looking up the due date, which actually I didn't, I didn't get to that point well this done. time, thankfully. Don't ever get there. Thankfully. Um, but, yeah, so I did. I, I kind of fully unbelieved it. And oh, then the following day got the old familiar cramps. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that then. Um, and I was supposed to go out that evening and I really didn't feel like going out. Yeah. Um, I didn't really feel like pretending to be fun. Do you know when you just haven't got any energy and you just want to mope? Yeah, I do know that. But I forced myself to go out and actually had a really nice time. Ah. And, um, and then the next day, me and my husband went down to Brighton to see some friends and and I got absolutely shiitake mushroomed. I was, <laughs> I was, 
Uh, yeah, I had a really good time. Um, uh, that's important. It is. Well, it's the classic boom and bust of TTC, isn't it? Yes, I was it like, is. You're, um, you're so pious yes. for, for two weeks and then when it goes wrong, you just you lose it. <laughs> I'm not drinking and I'm only eating watercress. Exactly. And then, My body is a temple. Yeah, and then you're just like, shot. Wine, wine, <laughs> more wine. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a classic. Um, I did regret it a little bit the next day, but I think it was needed. I had, yeah, I mean, it's important. Yeah. It's an important stage of the uh, infertility grief cycle. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have the old ups and downs. <laughs> Um, but uh, one thing that's quite interesting, actually, is on on the Thursday where I, when I thought I was pregnant, yes, I I started to think about what how I was going to tell you, mm-hmm. <laughs> because obviously we're both doing a podcast now, yeah, and we it, are. yeah, and I was like, oh, um, you know, when I was daydreaming, I was like, oh, how am I going to tell Emma with a t shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially if you just unzipped a hoodie. Oh my lord, can you imagine? Um, but I, to be honest, and I haven't talked to you about this yet, The I came up with a solution and I'm not sure okay. if it's a bit com- controversial. Tell me. So because you were, I worked out that you were probably going to be in your two week wait. Oh yeah. When I was going to find out, of course, potentially that I was preggers. Yeah. And I was like, well, oh, that might really upset her. And I'd get the, the last... stress levels. Exactly. I was like, the last thing I want to do during her two-week wait is make her stressed and, yeah, upset her. So I was I was going to lie, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> that was my plan. I was going to... Well, I was going to not tell you if I didn't see you. Okay. Obviously, I wasn't going to call you up and lie to yeah. you. We are seeing each other weekly now. But we do see each other weekly, so I wasn't really going to get away with that. And I was... I did come to the conclusion that I might lie to you. And that is terrible. But I won. I don't know. Come on, give me a reaction. I, I, um, so I've I've recently found out that um, I've got two very close friends. You heard from Sophie mm. uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Yep. You heard from Sophie a couple of weeks ago. Um, she, as we discussed, was very direct. She phoned me and was like, "This is the call." Mm. And I was like, "Okay, congratulations." And then I hung up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she, you know, we texted and and then I found out that my other very, very close friend mm. um, is pregnant. Yes. Between them, by next March, they will have six children. Mm. I feel like maybe there wasn't enough babies to go around and that's why I don't get any. But anyway, she, I think she was just giving me my space. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So that's a different approach. Yeah. Some people choose the apologizing for having a functional uterus root <laughs> well I'll, I'll never be doing that I don't think <laughs> I'm so sorry but I'm pregnant <laughs> which is great like if that's what you want to do then yeah I've, I'm sorry too pal but I'm not gonna say that <laughs> um I you know if you weren't in your two-week wait yeah. when it happened, I would obviously tell you. I would tell you straight away. Thanks, mate. But I think I was just... Because it was that delicate stage and I was like, the last thing I would want to do is be part of a reason that why you'd be upset during yeah. that very important time. So that's that's why I came to. I think that probably would have been the right thing to do. Oh, thank God. Right. You know me so well. <laughs> the friendship will continue. <laughs> no, I do. Because that at that time you kind of basically only want to think about yourself mm. and you're right it 
it probably would like make me feel weird mm. so thank you thank you for thinking about lying to me hey but it didn't matter did it no <laughs> no this is not a concern you're gonna have to have Gabs, no no it because... only mattered for the eight hours that i thought I was well pregnant. yeah <laughs> there's that and there's also the fact that i ain't gonna have a two-week wait oh no because they've cancelled my round again so this is the Emma. second try of my second embryo transfer had uh, so two weeks ago on the Tuesday I well no one week ago one week ago on Tuesday mm. I woke up had a bit of bleeding freaked out went to the hospital got a scan she said oh look you've got a cyst on your ovary um that's probably what's causing the bleeding not to worry we'll give you estrogen patches right um and you can get on, go on those and hopefully it'll stop and it'll be fine this Tuesday I woke up had a bleed Another one. Uh, but this time it was fresh. Okay. And so I just, like, literally went into panic mode, threw my phone across the room, like, lobbed it really hard. Oh. My husband was like, what are you doing? Um, Went for an emergency scan again. The nurse was like, actually, that thing I thought was a cyst is actually your hydrosalpinks, but it's okay because we, we cut off the tube... Um, a few months ago so okay. not to worry but here's a new thing your lining looks absolutely crap so it wasn't the cyst at all because there is no cyst no but then she saw an endometrioma as well which i've never had i've never had a cyst i've never had an endometrioma i've never had a crap lining so i don't know what is going on like essentially she suggested that sometimes our bodies don't react that well to the hormones which is what I've been trying to tell them. Yeah. Um, so she was basically like, yeah, look, we're, there's no point carrying on with this. Mm. Um, so, oh, oh, it's just... It's so annoying. It's just so frustrating. Like, mm. I've got four embryos. They're sitting in a fridge. Get them in me! I want them all in me at once. I'm just going to smash them all in me like a child <laughs> eating too much chocolate. <laughs> Um, I'm so over it. Like, I just... The ups and downs yeah. are so exhausting. My mum was there with me, and she just, like... She looked at me like, I do not know what to say. Yeah. Like, she just gave me a massive hug. Well, yeah, that's, that's all good. I needed. But I just... So we're going to try again next month. We're going to go for a kind of natural cycle. Okay. So that's not going back on the pill. No. Just going straight into your yes. natural cycle, as you say. And then if we if we do a scan on day 10 and it's looking a bit ropey, they're going to give me some drugs again. Although this time, I before I was sniffing Bucerolin, mm. this time I'm going to be injecting Bucerolin. Hello needles, my old friend. Hello needles, my old friend. Mm. <laughs> so that's the situation. Um... Right. And um, how much do you know about your embryos? Well, so I've asked a lot. Like, what kind of quality are they? Yeah, like, how do you choose which ones? Because in, in other... America. In America, they seem to know yeah. the gender of their embryos okay. and they can kind of choose, oh, I quite fancy a girl or a boy. And I'm assuming they don't do that here. 
No, no, well, not on the NHS anyway. Um, no, of course, I'm sure like they regulation. do elsewhere. <laughs> like, here's your embryos. <laughs> you get what you're given. Yeah. Um, no, they. So the the because I'm doing PGD, mm. I think they only use the highest quality embryos. Oh, so you must know quite a lot about yours if you're well, doing that. I I don't know that much. I because I've said to them a few times, like, what kind of quality are we looking at? Mm. And they just say we only use the highest quality embryos. So I take it that means all my embryos are really, really, really great. Great. But, I mean, how can you really ever know? Like, No, I don't know. And there, I mean, there's some question about whether testing them is, yeah. is worth, like, worthwhile, whether it works out better. So with PGD, it, I think it was about whether it, does it get women pregnant. So are you talking about the test that was the yeah. study? So I read that because I was interested in that because obviously we're doing PGD. Mm. We had like 11 embryos at the beginning, I think. Um, and basically it was about whether the woman gets pregnant with those PG is, is the woman more likely to get pregnant with those embryos? But I was a bit confused because PGD isn't to get you pregnant. It's to test for genetic problems. Mm. So um, the the reason we're doing PGD is because my husband has a translocation, Robertsonian translocation. Mm. His genes are mismatched, basically. Oh. Um, but he's fine. He's, yeah, he's a bit weird, I don't know. He's, he's <laughs> a bit weird, but I don't think it's got anything to do with his genes. <laughs> um, You're not weird, John, anyway. I'm, I'm joking. If things go one way, our babies will be fine. If they go a different way, they could end up with there's basically a really high risk of down syndrome and right. also a high risk of miscarriage right if they okay. have carry this genetic problem. okay yeah um so that's what they're testing for they're not like testing them and then I, I that's why i didn't really understand the study i guess the assumption is that if you're testing them to a kind of higher degree yeah the chances are that the ones that get transferred are going to be have a better chance of yeah. implanting i mean that the, the the thing is that in PGD, they only test for the one thing that you're asking yeah. them to test for. They don't They're test not... for everything. They're okay. not like, well, I, our PGD guys don't anyway. They just test. They're like, we test to see. They don't even test to see if they're carriers of this translocation. They test to see if they have like the bad bit of the translocation mm. that would make them an unviable embryo or that would make give them Down syndrome. Um, so I don't re- Yeah, I didn't really understand that study. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was my week. It was shit again. Oh, buddy, I know. it's going to get better. It is, maybe it is. Well, I you're going to be working out how you're going to tell me that you're pregnant. I'm just going to be like, mate, I'm pregnant. Well, you, yeah, I mean, your you're, you're not going to be able to get away with that one. I don't. What think. I'm going to do is less so than me. <laughs> I'm going to have a parade. <laughs> They're going to close off Excellent. Trafalgar Square. Oh, brilliant! I'm going to have acrobats and elephants. Oh. Yeah. And um, flamingos. Did you know that they're they're becoming a bit of a symbol yeah. of infertility as well? Are we as a as a community just taking quite cool things? I think we are. We're making... taking all the hipstery emojis and turning them into <laughs> symbols. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I I don't know where this flamingo thing has come from. I um I actually asked Alice Rose, yeah, who so was last I. week's <laughs> guest. Did you? <laughs> She wasn't too clear either, but then we both kind of decided that maybe it's because because you're we're saying that it's a kind of a jazzier entry to life because yeah. we're doing IVF, so therefore it's a jazzier thing like than that. a stalk. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, 
what other kind of cool tropes are there around oh palm leaves there's got to be something for palm leaves right because oh, then I can, i've got loads of clothes that have like a palm leaf oh leopard print oh yeah. yeah yeah leopard print if we could make that a thing well because we're um ivf warriors oh uh, yes warriors might wear leopard print yeah let's do that one yeah okay guys <laughs> anybody i see in leopard print clothing i'm gonna be like you know we all know <laughs> i hear you sister <laughs> Anyway, I'm not, I've got to say, I'm not holding out that much hope for next month because my body just does not like drugs and it takes a while to kind of flush them out. Okay, so you think that even though you're going to do unmedicated, it might be still in your system? I mean, I'll keep you all updated. Oh, damn straight you will. But I just, let's not all like cross our fingers because I just don't, I, you know, maybe in a few months, but I don't think next month will be the month. Well, I'm crossing mine. Thanks, mate. Hey, maybe we'll end up doing it at the same time. Uh, maybe we'll be able to announce to each other that we're pregnant. At the same time. At the same time. Oh, my auntie, who lives in Cyprus, okay. um, rang me up and she was like, I've listened to the podcast and I've had a premonition. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, you and Emma are going to get pregnant at the same time. Yes. <laughs> I don't Awesome. <laughs> can, if we do, can we give them like funny twinny names? Yeah. Like Tia and Tamara. Tia and Tamara, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bert and Ernie. Oh my God. Bert and Ernie. Can we please have Bert and Ernie? Okay, let's do that. Even if they're girls. Even if they're girls. I think even more so if they're girls. Yeah. Great girls' names. Great. Well, that's sorted. Well, done. Yeah, sweet. (laughs) Now to get pregnant. (laughs) Oh yeah, just that small thing that we haven't managed to do yet at all. recently launched the mindful IVF app but um but you have a, a history of acupuncture um so I guess it'd be great if you could start by telling us a little bit about your background. So um we run a natural fertility clinic here in uh, Ireland and we are here to basically help couples that are having difficulties uh, conceiving um, normally couples will come to us maybe they've been on the journey for two to five years and we also support uh, couples that are going through the IVF process also. Initially when I started this was about 15 years ago in the acupuncture and uh, I trained initially in general acupuncture and then um, went to the US and specialized in fertility acupuncture for about four years. I worked with a company that would do retreats on a monthly basis. So couples would spend five to seven days with us and we would have a nutritionist on site, we'd have a medical doctor on site, we'd have an acupuncturist on site. And then over the five days, we'd build a plan together to help them on the, the, the next phase of their journey. Now, sometimes People were after multiple failed IVFs, multiple failed cycles. And, you know, they had spent, you know, a lot of time, a lot of energy, emotions, and and financially as well, it was a huge thing for them. So it was great because it was a huge synergy of people that were coming from multiple areas between counselling, acupuncture, nutrition, and uh, the medical side. So they got a really good plan at the end of it. Then I got the opportunity to study in New York for a year in Chinatown in one of the um, teaching schools there. So my my teacher at the time was um, an 88 generation. Taoist uh, monk so it was father to son father to son father to son and there's just this beautiful amount of information that passed on from the generations and that really helped to um, give me a massive understanding of the body then I came back to Ireland and um, I met um 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com my wife and i suppose it just it made much more sense to, to practice out of ireland and i think in the last maybe 15 years we've probably helped about 3,000 couples now when i say help we didn't get them pregnant but in relation to whether somebody was trying naturally or with assisted conception um we would have been part of the program to help them whether it be through acupuncture meditation and sometimes we would do some hypnosis as well and neurolinguistics because a a lot of patients would come in not only with physical issues, but there'd be a lot of emotional stuff going on as well. So our, our goal really was to, to help them to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you mind um, going into a little bit of detail into just how acupuncture works? Because I think it's something that um, a lot of people talk about and, and I, I, I doubt that a lot of people know how it works. So if you could explain that, that'd be great. Yeah, so there's there's different types of acupuncture. A lot of people assume that it's just one type. Now, in, in, in I suppose, Europe and America, we study mainly a thing called traditional Chinese medicine. There's also five-element acupuncture. There's Japanese acupuncture, Korean acupuncture. And there's, there's loads more. There's classical Chinese medicine. And I think we're used to seeing, you know, somebody comes in and they're going to stick some needles into you and they're going to leave the room and you're just suddenly going to get pregnant. It doesn't work that way. I'd have cues out the door if that was what was going on. But I think for me, with the whole acupuncture side of things, it's just a different way of of looking at the body. A couple of hundred years ago, three or four hundred years ago, you know, your, your local doctor would have been the butcher and they would have understood anatomy. They would have understood the, the body and the muscles and the hearts and the lungs. And, you know, they take the, the heart out and they'd say, oh, what what's the function of this? So it was very much about each organ having a function. In Asia, they were doing the exact same thing. They were taking the organs out and they were like, here's the heart, here's the lungs, here's the liver. And what's the energy? What's the energy attached to this? So they might look at heart energy. They might look at lung energy. All energy is, is that when patients come into us, if they're exhausted, tired and fatigued, they have low energy. And some people come in and they're always on the go. They never take time out for themselves. And they just seem to have this constant energy, energy, energy. And then they fall flat on the floor at nighttime. So that's high energy. And all we're trying to do is get a balance between the two. And What's interesting is that the body has two main systems. It has a primary system, which is the heart, the lungs, the liver, the kidneys. 
and it has a secondary system, which is the gallbladder, the spleen, and the reproductive system. Now, if I can take out your gallbladder, I can take out your spleen, I can take out your ovaries, and I can take out uh, your uterus, and you will live. If I take out your heart, if I take out your lungs, it's not a good thing. So the body has this amazing system to ensure that all the resources, well, 80% of resources go to the primary system of the heart, the lungs, the liver, and the kidneys, so that your body is functioning. And then the 20% goes to the secondary system. Now, if someone comes into me really tired and exhausted and fatigued and is at 70%, there is no energy getting to the reproductive system in, in acupuncture. So that's how we look at things. We, we look at, you know, how much energy is getting to um, our patients. Right, right. And so, so say if I came to you um, and, you know, told you about my um, infertility journey, um, where, where do you start? What's the significance in where you put the needles? So there is about 400 points in the body. And we, you know, between about 400 points in the body. Out of that, there's about 40 points that are really amazing at helping the reproductive system. So those are broken into energy points and blood points. You know, there's there's different definitions of how acupuncture works. I think the easiest for me when I'm explaining to doctors or medical people is not to talk about chi, not to talk about meridians, not to talk about energy, because it's not on their radar, it's not in their training. So for me, when I explain how acupuncture works, it's very similar if that, let's say you're out going for a run and you fall over and you cut your knee and you cut your elbow and suddenly you start to bleed. Like you're not going to bleed out there and then. Immediately what happens is that there's an increased in there's an increased blood supply to the the trauma area your immune system kicks in immediately to deal with any infection and then your brain releases serotonin and endorphins to ensure the body doesn't go into shock so that's what happens when the body experiences a trauma for us when we put needles in we're creating what we call micro traumas little mini injuries within the body so immediately what happens is that there is an increase of blood supply to those areas the immune system kicks in immediately and then the brain will release serotonin and endorphins The brain doesn't go, oh, it's only Gordon, it's fine, he's only doing acupuncture, we don't need to release any endorphins. It's the body's natural healing mechanism. So over time of maybe 2,000 years, the Asian medicine started to realize that there were certain parts of our body that were really good at helping different areas. And like, for example, when you're stressed, usually you rub your head or your shoulders. You don't kind of start rubbing your elbow. You know, if you get a fright... You, 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 you grab onto your heart. If, someone, if, you, if you experience something that's, that's quite disgusting, you go, oh my God, and you grab your stomach. So we already have these innate areas that we're used to actually protecting. And that's what we're basically doing. We're finding points in the body that just activate the immune system, activate the healing mechanism, activate increased blood supply. The needles, in my opinion, now uh, you might get 100 acupuncturists screaming down at you after this, but in my opinion, it's not the needles. It's the trauma that's been created. Like sometimes I joke with patients here, I could use thumbtacks. Now we don't use thumbtacks. But I could use thumbtacks to create that trauma. And then immediately what happens is that it, it has an activation within the system. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes a lot more sense to me now. So thank you. <laughs> um, I suppose the next question is, you know, what the connection between mindfulness and acupuncture is. Because obviously you've launched Mindful IVF, the app. So it'd be great to hear how those work together. So. I, I got very lucky. Uh, well, maybe not so lucky, but lucky and lucky at the same time. My mum took me to um, martial arts when I was seven. I was, being, <laughs> I was being slightly bullied at the time. So the first thing she did was take me straight to martial arts to learn how to kick back. And I, uh, I trained for about seven or eight years. And um, so at the age of seven, we were actually doing meditation after each class. And we do maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Now, at the time, I didn't really understand what it was about. For me, it was just closing my eyes and yawning. But over time, I started to realize how I was just much calmer in myself. I was more calmer in my body. I then got my first black belt when I was 11. I got my second when I was 13. And really, the meditation really had a huge influence in just 
my ability to control my thoughts, my ability to keep myself calm in very difficult situations. Teenage years kicked in and, you know, you go to college and you, you meet girls and you drink Guinness and you kind of forget about the meditation, you forget about the martial arts. So when I had the clinic open, we, we were doing the acupuncture and we were really helping the body. What I noticed was that people were still stressed coming into me. When somebody comes into you after five miscarriages in a row in, in 18 months, you know, the joy of being pregnant is no longer there. The joy of getting pregnant is no longer there. And there's this massive fear. So when they find out they're pregnant for that moment in time, they're like really excited. But then within 15 to 20 minutes, like, oh my God, this massive fear consumes them that they're going to miscarry again because there's now a history. And it's, it's very similar that there's emotions attached to different types of things. So, you know, so, for example, again, with the two-week wait after um, IVF, you know, there's this kind of relief for about two to three days. And then immediately the brain will go to one of two places. It will go to, I'm so excited, I have an embryo on board, or I'm so excited, I have two embryos on board. This is amazing. We're living in the potential. Oh, this is going to work. Or there's the other side where fear kicks in. What if it doesn't work? Can we afford to do another IVF? You know, why will this work for me? Uh, I'm not sleeping properly. I'm not eating properly. And almost like the mind goes into a space of, I need to protect myself right now. And the two spaces are very, very different. It's the same transfer. It's the same result at the end, whether it's positive or negative, but the experience is very, very different. What's interesting for me is how the mind works. And again, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, but I like to look at the mind like a business. The front part of your brain is, you know, it's like the marketing department. It's the cerebral cortex. It's, it's, it's the future. It's hope. It's belief. It's all about marketing and selling of having a baby and it's going to work and we're going to be parents. The left-hand side of the brain is the logical side, the accountant. The right-hand side of the brain is the design department. And then in the very back, we've got a guy called George and he's in charge of health and safety and he freaks out over everything. Now, he was really important 200 years ago. Because, you know, we were dealing with Vikings with swords and shields and tigers. And in the last maybe 20, 30, 40 years, he doesn't have a role anymore in life. There's not too many tigers or Vikings around and he's bored. So suddenly he starts to freak out over everything. He starts to freak out about getting pregnant. He starts to freak out about the medication. And then the marketing department comes in and said, yay, it'll be amazing. And then George starts to jump in. Then there's the accountant kicks in, say, oh, logically, how many IVFs can we do? And you have these multiple conversations going on about the same situation. So a lot for me with my patients is telling George to shut up, getting control of George so that he does and freak out of everything. And the amount of Georges that come into me on a daily basis is unbelievable. Wow. And so how how do you stop that little voice or George in your head? How do you quieten him? It's, it's normalizing the situation. So if there is fear, if there is anxiety, if like for, for, for me, for example, when people come into me and they're stressing about stressing, you're actually doubling the stress. And I tell my patients, just be stressed. And immediately they've cut the stress by 50%. That ties into the, uh, the old relax gate thing of people telling you to relax and then it just having the opposite effect. I don't like that. I don't like that term. For me, relaxing is a lack of understanding of what the person is going through. I think one of the most important things that like I and again, this is just an example where uh, I deal a lot with couples. Men, a lot of the time can be wonderfully optimistic, right? Uh, not all of them, but a lot of them can be quite optimistic and it'll be fine. It'll be grand. We'll sort this out. And then you're sitting there going, no, it won't be fine. This is probably the wrong example. But if your partner's really interested in sports, if he has Sky Sports, if he loves watching football, turn Sky Sports off for a month, ban him from watching football for a month and tell him until you're pregnant, you're not watching sports again. And watch that man fall apart within about two weeks. And it's, I'm not trying to compare football to trying to get pregnant. But what I'm trying to do is that sometimes men see this very, very differently. And it's only when they get to feel that emotion, because 
a lot of the time we work on the logical side for us. A lot of time we do. And we don't really understand what our partners are going through. You talked about the, the two-week wait and the kind of thought process and the kind of program, I suppose, that you've created for that. What are the other stages of the IVF process that you've identified and created stages for? So meditation for me isn't going into um, a Buddha center and humming for two hours. That's not what meditation is. That's not what mindfulness is. And very few of us have two hours a day to go, you know, drive to a center, sit down for an hour, relax for an hour, which we won't do because you have a thousand things to get done, and then hop back into the car and go home. And I think for me, a big part of what we were trying to achieve was to give our patients, initially it was for our patients internally here, was the tools that for 10 minutes a day, they can go upstairs, they can plug their phone in, and they can just listen. The initial stages was we, we created a thing called PrEP 10. And, and PrEP 10 is basically about getting you into that kind of space of understanding your mind, understanding your body, understanding that they actually work together and starting to listen to your body and starting to listen to your mind. We then set up IVF Start, which basically has mindfulness programs, meditation, hypnosis for the stages of when you're on the pill, when you're in downregulation, when you're in stimulation, when you go for collection and transfer. And then we have the two-week wait. All it is is just literally 15 years of me sitting with patients here when they go for their pre and post, when they're on their two-week wait, when they're being stimmed, and just seeing what they're going through and taking that and trying to put them into a space where they feel calmer. And so is it about, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk of the kind of, I suppose, loss of control when you're in the IVF process. And is, is the kind of mindfulness to a degree about trying to recapture some of that control? I think for me, mindfulness is just a tool in the toolbox. It's like a hammer. It's like a saw. It's like a screwdriver. It will suit certain people and it won't suit others. And for me, mindfulness is about taking time for you, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's having a glass of wine with friends on a Friday night, you know, it's just being in the moment. It's, it's taking time for you 10 minutes a day where you just breathe, where you stop, where you kind of see how you're feeling. The app is just a tool to help you to get there. It's just uh, to help you to understand that you're not alone. Like we have 30,000 users in the last 18 months. We have 5,000 people a month using the app. And all these women are together. All these women are going through the exact same thing. Infertility, it's never going to be easy. You're never going to feel in control. And I promise you, as soon as you're pregnant, the worry gets a lot worse. Like when my patients come in for the first time, they say, as soon as I'm pregnant, I'll be fine. As soon as they find out they're pregnant, they're freaking out because now they have something to lose. You know, the worry is just constantly there. And then when they come into me, like I had three ladies in today and they were uh, being induced naturally and um, they were freaking out because they were like, they wanted to make sure the baby was okay, that the birthing process would be okay. The worry is going to be constant, but it's being okay with who you are. Most problems I see are flat tires. They're not broken engines. Most problems I see can be fixed. There's amazing doctors. There's amazing medical teams. There's amazing nutritionists out there. And there are couple of amazing acupuncturists as well and one or two amazing meditation people it's literally about finding something that you enjoy if you don't like needles do not go to an acupuncturist if you don't like people touching your feet don't go to reflexology it's about finding stuff that you are good with it's very easy like i have people coming to my door saying oh i don't believe in acupuncture i don't like needles but i've heard you're good at what you do and i'm like please don't come in here let's find something that you would really enjoy yeah, so I suppose if someone, you know, if, if someone's listening to this and they they feel a little bit out of control and like they've like they need a bit of help, is it a case of just considering what the options are and trying everything out? I think it's finding an expert who's really good at what they do, somebody that has compassion, somebody that has got time for you, somebody that understands what you're going through, and somebody that's willing to run with you to get you to where you need to go. 
nobody comes into me because they want to come into me. Nobody comes in here happy. But a lot of people do leave happy. And, and, and the thing is that like a lot of what we do is there's a lot of crazy people in my space that do crazy things. Stay away from them. Go to people that uh, are recommended. Go to people that can explain to you what they're trying to do. Go to people that can have a diagnosis and say, this is what I think the issue is. For example, two very, very uh, common issues that I see are one, fertilization issues and two, implantation difficulties. And one of the more simple things that I see is where the, the body and the cervix is supposed to be acidic 90% of the time. And then when you ovulate, it becomes alkaline. And that's through the cervical secretions and the mucus. There's proteins there to nourish the sperm and there's an alkalizing component. Now, that's really, really important for sperm to get to egg. If the body is too acidic, it's really not conducive to healthy sperm. It destroys a lot of the sperm. And what you find is that for somebody who's lacking in secretions and discharge and mucus around their ovulation time, there are things you can do. There's a, there's a couple of products that help that. Uh, acupuncture helps that. And even when you take the medical route, an IUI is really good because it bypasses the cervix. The first thing I ask all my patients when they come into me is tell me about your period. Like 99% of the time people say it's normal. And I kind of go, okay, what's normal? Tell me about it. And they say, I have a two-day bleed. There's some brown spotting at the start. I have a lot of clots and I suffer from a lot of PMS. Now, in my book, that's not normal. You need more than a two-day bleed. You know, there shouldn't be any spotting. And it should be between three and five. There should be a good flow. It should be nice and red. But I've had women coming in with seven days of black blood thinking it's normal. And it's not. But to me, that would massively influence the ability for implantation to occur. And especially when someone's doing an IVF cycle, clinics are amazing and brilliant, but they are, as I described before, courier companies. They collect, they fertilize, and they transfer. That embryo has to go into an, a, a really good environment. And a lot of failures for implantation with IVF are due to the uterus. Nothing to do with the egg, nothing to do with the sperm. Failure for implantation to occur. So a lot of the work I do is about ensuring that we get an amazing environment for that embryo to get into. And if, if someone is kind of listening to this and thinking, well, you know, I, you know, I think it's, it doesn't really matter how I feel or if I'm stressed, you know, it's biology and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, is there, is there a point of saying, well, you can either have a bad time through this, um, mentally, or you can, you know, you can try and be, have a more positive take and it might not affect the outcome but actually at least you've had a more positive time so let's say we have a couple and let's say the one of the partners is an optimist and he's an incurable optimist where everything will be okay and let's say the partner is a realist what you'll find that sometimes is that some people believe that things are really, really going well and something bad's about to happen around the corner. And then when something bad happens, the incurable optimist believe it's going to get better. Who's right and wrong there? They're both right. Like the optimist believes everything's going to be fine and the realist believes it's not going to get better. And a lot of the time, you have to take on board who you are. If you believe that the emotional side isn't an issue, then it's not an issue. But if you believe that the emotional issues are having an impact on you, having an impact on work, having an impact on your relationship, then asking for help isn't a weakness. Asking for help is a strength. There are people that come into me and they're really hard to work with because they look at me like I am some crazed lunatic. And they're like, this guy is, you know, talking about energy and talking about acupuncture and talking about meditation. And to me, they are the most amazing cases that I work with. And they're the people that I learn from. And they are the ones that we really, once, once we break that initial wall down, we get some amazing work done. You know, being stressed is not going to stop you getting pregnant. I can guarantee you that. But it's definitely not helping you. Having fear and anxiety and being emotional is not going to stop you getting pregnant. But it's not helping. So for me, stress is cortisol. It's adrenaline. 
It's constantly on the go. It's never giving yourself time to take care of you. Calmness of body and calmness of mind is where you take time out for you. And you don't need to become a Zen balanced monk. I'm not asking people to do that, but I'm just asking you to take a little bit of time for you and go to the mind gym because most of us have no problem going to the gym when we want to, but nobody actually is willing to go to the mind gym and say, you know what? I'm having a really bad week. I'm having a really bad month. And everybody has a bad day. I have no problems with bad days. I have bad days myself, but I won't allow it to become a bad week. I won't allow it to become a bad month. I will figure it out. I will sit down. And I would say, you know what? I need to sort this out. We often talk about women being told to just relax and that's the key. What is your kind of answer to that? I would unfriend them on Facebook and I would unfriend them on Instagram. <laughs> no, but seriously, they, they don't know what you're going through. Everyone's worst day is their worst day. If people are telling you, you know, if you relax, you'll get pregnant. I've never seen that happen. You know, if there's a fundamental issue going on there, it's a physical issue. For me, like, you know... I'll give you an example where uh, last week um, a patient came in and she was really upset and she was like, I was at a wedding at the weekend and my aunt came up to me and she was like saying, any news, any news, you know, when are you going to pop some babies out, you're getting older. And she got really upset and she she went to her partner and she was crying and they went upstairs. She's like, oh my God, this is getting so tough. And she came into me on the Monday and she was telling me about this and she was going to another weekend in two weeks time. And she's like, I don't want to go because I don't want this coming up. And this aunt is going to come up again. I said, you know what? No, right. When she comes up to you, this is what I want you to say to her. If she says, any news, any news, I want you to say to her that you're ovulating right now and you're heading upstairs and you're going to have some nookie. She will never ask you again. She will be horrified. And at least you have an answer and you can laugh about it and go and you can go back to your partner and say, guess what? She asked me again and I told her I was ovulating right now and we're about to go up and do it. And it's amazing how it changes the dynamics of how you feel about the exact same conversation. Yeah, well, you... you go from feeling a little bit victimized to feeling like you're you know you're in control empowered empowered exactly she will never ask you again i promise you she will never ask you again or if that's a bit too much just say listen you know we're trying at the moment and hopefully this time next year we'll have a baby the conversations will stop and this is a lot about language it's about understanding that you know at the end of the day nobody knows what you're going through except you that's some fantastic advice and i think a good place to to stop the interview so Thank you so much again for speaking to us. So now it's time for Old Wives Tales. Fact or fiction. Hey. Yeah. Cool. And so this week I've been talking to Professor Tim Child, who is medical director at Oxford Fertility, about... Uh, what? At Oxford Fertility. <laughs> <laughs> And we've been chatting about when to test once you've had an embryo transfer, because obviously once you've had that transfer, it's up to you to do the first testing to work out whether it's worked. In a lot of cases, yes. Not always. No. Sometimes the clinic will do a blood test for you. Right. Those are the good people. I think that's what happens in the States, because that's um, what I've been hearing in the other podcasts that I listen to uh, that I won't mention again, Um, (laughs) because you're angry. (laughs) I think I have pregnancy test PTSD. Oh my God, really? I I get very physical reaction yeah. to even the idea to have it, of having to do one. Really? Yeah. I just get so stressed. Oh, you know what? I I think I, I avoid it as well. Like I will leave it to the very last minute before doing a test. Like I, I will definitely wait till I'm late. I'll never test early. I just yeah. don't really want the, the, the disappointing moment, you know? I see these people on Instagram who are testing five days post-transfer, six days post-transfer, then getting really upset when they get a negative. 
Mm. And I I feel concerned and sad for them. Yeah, it's well, it's a complete head fuck, isn't it? It's a real head fuck. I like I when I had my one and only transfer almost a year ago. Fuck my life. I waited until day 10 after my five day transfer okay you're supposed to test on day 11 right okay so Um, you were a day early I was a day early um it was the timing was good because it was a Sunday or a Saturday it was a weekend day Mm. so I could just spend like a few days or a couple of hours just a couple of hours like I spent a long time just grieving yeah. Whereas if I'd had to go to work, that would have well, been you awful. Definitely don't want to be doing that and then going to no. work. I mean, it was bad enough that you went to work anyway, as previously discussed. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I just, I see these people testing. I mean, I loved kind of pretending to be pregnant. Yeah, same. I just want to live the dream for as long as I can. Yeah, it was so nice. So for me, the idea of testing early, like, seemed really weird. Yeah. But I just, I see it. Like, please don't test too early, guys. Please. It makes me feel sad for you. Yeah. I get stressed. <laughs> like, just looking at these pictures of people being like, oh, well, I had my embryo transfer 12 hours ago and now I've done a test and it was negative and I'm devastated. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a way to do it, isn't there? There's yeah. a good way and a, and a bad way, I suppose. We'll hear more about that from, from Prof Tim. After an embryo transfer, once the embryo implants, which embryos normally implant around sort of seventh, eighth day of their age. So it depends on when the embryo transfer happens. So for instance, for a blastocyst transfer, that would often be day five or day six of development. So a few more days later, the embryo would be implanting. There are very, very low levels of HCG, which is a pregnancy hormone, that start to come from the implanting embryo. But it's such low levels that it's not picked up in a urine pregnancy test. And the other thing we have to remember is that the late night trigger that most people will have um, 36 hours or so before an IVF egg collection, the hormone is actually HCG, which is the, the pregnancy hormone. So if people test too early, they're potentially picking up the remnants of the late night injection drug. Um, most clinics probably will be suggesting a test around about 16 days after the egg collection. So if we're then doing a, um, a blastocyst transfer, say day five, that means the, the, um, the pregnancy test is done around about 11 days or so after the blastocyst transfer. People might be able to test a couple of days earlier, um, but if you're picking up very, very low hormone levels, it doesn't really tell you what's going to be happening, whether the embryo is going to have implanted properly or whether, you're, in fact, you're picking up remnants of the late-night trigger. I think you know, a day or so early would be fine. I think anything before that, if it's negative, it doesn't mean anything because it's just too early to pick things up and if it's positive again it could be left over from the late night injection or it might be just a, a, a very low level of amount that's come out from the embryo but it's not actually showing implantation so it's best to try and hold off if at all possible brilliant well thanks for the clarity there professor tim we'll speak to you soon guys that's it for this week yeah another episode down thank you for all listening and joining us on our journey thank you to gordon and to professor tim and to anya just many thanks so many thanks um, and to my tan <laughs> that's the last of it <laughs> um, and have a great week everyone we'll see you next week yeah see you soon bye guys bye and, and twitter at big neck <laughs> <laughs> 
Pepp. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 